I hope that uh, you had a blessed Christmas and uh, that it was uh, refreshing and good, uh, just a wonderful time. Before we get started, uh, tomorrow the church does its annual carpet cleaning. Every stitch of carpet and rug in the church gets cleaned every year between Christmas and New Year. So after this service, if some of you would help us, we're going to take all the chairs and stack them against the both walls, kind of like we have over here. And then the the stuff in the gathering area we'll, we'll uh, take up, and in the children's area as well. We just take it. Some of it will go in the in the building of, uh, over there, the in the in the concrete, just so we can get it up. And we do the the carpet cleaning. Uh, Neil and the students are going to take care of our uh, of the office spaces over there uh, at the end of their uh, lesson. And uh, the offices will be closed till noon uh, tomorrow. We got to give the the carpet some time to dry. They're going to start in the offices over there, so we'll open the building up, the office areas up at noon. We're going to leave this uh, locked up for tomorrow so that everything can get good and dry. And then on Tuesday morning at 8.30, if you have opportunity, we're going to put everything back together. Um, Ron Coder will be here to help line all the chairs up, and we'll put the stuff in the gathering area out there. I know some of the men have a Tuesday morning study, uh, so there will already be some folks here, but if you want to come in and join in, uh, Tuesday at 8.30, we'll put uh, everything back together. Most pastors this morning are preaching a New Year's resolution or a New Year's type of a sermon. I'm not going to do that, okay? And the reason that I'm not is in America, New Year's resolutions last on average 21 days, and then we're done, Okay. I would rather speak of something that is daily, that is designed to be eternal until such time as the Lord returns. And so I, I'm going to ask us, and I'm going to pose this, I think that from time to time it is wise to take an inventory of our lives. Those things that we do and those things that we don't do, the, the places that we go, the places that we don't go, and the time that is spent in hobby or the time that is spent in hurry. We take inventory of all of that, and then we also look at the things that are in our lives which we are okay with and the things that we desire to change. For January the 1st, in just a few days, some of you may be getting a new job. My brother-in-law starts a new job January the 1st. My father-in-law starts retirement on January the 1st. Some of us in three weeks are going to start college again or, or for the first time. So there, there are a lot of things that could be coming. And as we look at all the things in our lives and we take inventory of the stuff in our lives, we would desire that the things that we don't want would change. And yet the things that we're okay with or that we like would be on an upward trajectory where we would continue to move closer to the Lord. So regardless of who you are, your age, I have covered something that has touched each and every one of us in the audience today. Somebody is dealing with one of those areas in your life. And so I ask the question, where would we go in all of Scripture to find the wisdom in order to make sense of all of the things in our lives and the arrangement of things in our life? And so... As I looked at where we've been this year, we started out in 1 Peter, we went to 2 Peter, and then we did a series on sin, 
truth and authority. And when we did the, the study on truth, I spent three weeks in the book of Jude. Then we went to 1 Timothy. There's been other messages uh, along that way. Then on Wednesday evening, Tim taught through the book of James. Then I followed up with a a jet set through the Old Testament and then a series on the book of Jonah. And then we just finished out just a couple of weeks ago an in-depth study on 1 Corinthians. So we have covered a lot of ground this past year. So where would we go in our final message of the year And so as I searched and I prayed, I felt the Lord leading us to go to the book of Proverbs where there is wisdom that is found on every one of those pages to see where it is that we've come from, where we are now, and where we're going as individuals and as a church. And so with all that said, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, and we will read some of this, not all of it. And I invite those of you that are able, if you would stand and honor the reading of God's Word. So we look at the wisdom teachings found in this third chapter. So chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and we'll go all the way to the first part of verse 7. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life... And peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Then in verse 5, a familiar verse, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And then the first part of verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Let us pray. Father, I am so thankful that when I realize that things in my life are out of alignment with your will or your word, I have to go but to the book of Proverbs and I find wisdom. And as I align myself with that, I realize that daily I am in need of your grace and your mercy to have any hope of living according to these instructions. And I, like others, we are in need daily of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask your blessing on us as individuals and on this body that we would live according to these wise teachings. They would be woven into our DNA. And Father, that others would see our commitment to Christ and they would be attracted to that because they know that there's something different in our life. And they would ask and we would tell them of the one who provides us hope no matter the circumstances, no matter what is on the news, No matter what is going on in the world, we have hope because you have not forgotten about us. We have hope because Christ has come. And we have hope because he is going to return. Father, we thank you and we love you. It is in the precious name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. The book of Proverbs is not merely a collection of wise sayings or wise teachings for life. It 
It is that, but it is so much more. The book of Proverbs really, it, it teaches that wisdom, true wisdom, <clears throat> initiates and can only come out of a relationship, a committed relationship to God. And operating out of that relationship that one would have with God, it does provide wise counsel. And it will tell you about your relationship with God. And it will tell you about many things, such as relationships with other people. And here's one's good. It'll talk to you about parenting. It'll, it'll tell you about those things. It'll tell you about words to use in various situations. It'll tell you where to go and where not to go. It'll tell you who to hang out with and who not to hang out with and what to avoid. And also, it will give you examples of what a life looks like if we would follow the truth-wise teachings in this book. So regardless of who you are, wherever it is in the life spectrum that you are, the wisdom in the book of Proverbs is applicable to each and every one of us. Now before we dig in too far into this book, I want to point out that it is believed that Solomon is the one who wrote most, if not all, of, of these Proverbs. And so since God is the author of all of Scripture, what happened is that God worked through Solomon, and Solomon wrote these, and he taught them then and there, so it was applicable to the people then and the there. And since it comes from God, and it is wisdom that is timeless, it is just as applicable to us today. The only difference is, is that we have the whole counsel of the Word of God. And so what we would see here is that Solomon, would, would, it was written to the, from the standpoint of a father speaking truth or truths to his son, that he would teach them. Now, Solomon also says that we should heed the wise teachings of the mother. And so, in reality, it is not just for the son, it would be Solomon, and it would be the mother and the father teaching all of these to their children. So the applicability is, is from the parent to the child, and then the child would be the parent, and then the child would teach it to their child, and it continues on and on and on. They are inexhaustible. So let us see this morning what the truth teachings in the book of Proverbs would have for us here at Champion Fellowship in 2019. So I want to start out and look in verse 1 at what is being told to us. So he starts out and he says, My son... He starts out, this is a term of endearment. It is a term of affection. So Solomon would be speaking to his son, and he would be teaching this. And he says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. So for a moment, I want you to picture the perfect father of their are none of those that exist, by the way, but I want you to picture the perfect father who would be sitting by the fireplace on a, on a cold morning, and he would have his children gathered around him, and he is speaking to them from the overflow of his heart. He loves his children, and he wants to impart wisdom into them. So this parental instruction that Solomon would be giving would be anchored in, it would be rooted in the law of Moses or the, the Mosaic law, the, the law that God gave Moses and the, and the children of Israel. And so the father, since the kids did not have the distractions that we do today, 
that would be the, through the oral tradition, they would constantly talk about what was contained in the law. So Solomon, or any father for that matter, would be teaching their children the things of the law. And so Solomon is teaching his son that he needs to, to understand these. And so the father would teach it, and then the father would model it. And so what the ta father taught and what the father modeled was anchored, was rooted in the Mosaic law or the law of God. And so today, as parents, in all of our imperfections of which we have many, we're not perfect. What you and I are to do as parents is that we are to teach our children and those that we have influence of the whole Word of God. We're to make sure that it is available to them, and we are to teach them even in our imperfections. So parents, you must know the Word of God, and the only way that you can know the Word of God is to open the Word of God and read the Word of God. And I want to go ahead and throw this curveball out there. If the only time your Bible gets opened is on Sunday morning, you are not learning the Word of God. It needs to, now I'm not getting legalistic here. I'm not telling that you've got to have a quiet time at 5.30 in the morning. But I am saying that you need to at least handle the Word of God so that you can teach the most important things to your children in all of life, which is what God would want them to know. So the parents have to learn, and then we teach our children the Word of God. Then as best we can, we model the Word of God, and we're not perfect in that. And then, based on the context of what is being taught here, we need to make sure that they understand what we have taught and what we have modeled. That is a big challenge for parents today. So, you may be sitting here this morning and thinking, well, Alan, that goes, uh, uh, my parents didn't teach me anything about the Word of God, and I can guarantee you they didn't model anything whatsoever concerning God. And I would say this, I have empathy with you. And I understand. But I want to tell you this. If you're here this morning and you have the word of God in your hand. And you can read that and you can understand that. You have the ability to be a change agent in your life. In your family. You have the ability to break that cycle of a lack of biblical teaching in your lineage. And you can start something new by applying what the book of Proverbs is telling us right here in just this third chapter. You can be a change agent in your family and in your community and those that are around you. Now, that is only possible, being a change agent, is if you have that relationship with God through His Son, by the keeping power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have that, you can't be that change agent. But once you have that relationship, and you are such an individual, then we advance to verse 5 of chapter 3. And I want you to look at that. Notice what it says. This is for the person that is child of God. It says, trust in the Lord, not with some, not with most, not with 99%, but with all your heart. That means there's no room for any higher affection. And do not lean on your own understanding. Remember that inventory that I talked about that we might need to take from time to time? You know, the things that are good, the bad, the indifferent, and the things that may be coming to you in 2020. As we're working all of that out and we're trying to make sense of all that, there's one thing that you and I need never forget, is that the sum total of our life is to be devoted to trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you're trusting in something other than Him, 
He does not have first place in your life. So you trust in the Lord with all your heart. And trusting means that you have confidence in what he said, what he's done, what he is doing, and what he's going to continue to do. You have confidence in him. It's not just merely an emotional thought, but that I have confidence in all that he is, and I don't have confidence in myself, and I don't have confidence in my stuff, and I don't have confidence in my job. I demonstrate my confidence in him by bringing myself to him and recognizing that the only hope that I have is to place myself up underneath his grace and his mercy. And that is a demonstration of trusting him. And I go to the only one who can provide eternal lasting wisdom, ladies and gentlemen, and that is God. He is the only one that can provide that. Now he may work through a wise friend. He may work through a wise teacher. He may work through a wise preacher of what I'm not. But ladies and gentlemen, whatever wisdom that it is that you receive that someone tells you, including from this pulpit, you better make sure that it aligns with this word. Because if it doesn't align with this word, you aren't to receive it. So whatever it is that's told you or taught to you, make sure that it aligns with this word in all cases. And let me tell you this, don't trust in what the world tells you. You know why you don't do that? Because the world loves to listen to itself, and the world will tell, it, tell itself things, and then it will go further and further and further, further and further away from the truth. So don't listen to that. Listen to what the Word of God has for us. So we trust in the Lord, and the only way that you can trust into Him is surrender to him. If you haven't surrendered to him, that means you're trusting in yourself. You surrender your heart to him. You don't surrender your heart to the world, your vocation, but all to him. And let me tell you something this. And you might get mad at me, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Can I tell you something? The Proverbs don't work if you're in love with yourself. It won't. I know. I tried it. It didn't work. Just ask my wife. It didn't work. And can I tell you something? The Proverbs don't work if you're in love with your sin. Oh, if you love that so much more, it's not going to work. And it's not going to work if you're in love with the world. It will not work. There's no applicability here. It is written under the assumption that you are an imperfect but devoted follower of God. You recognize your brokenness and your utter need of Him. And they work. So we place our confidence, our trust, and our faith in the Lord, and we keep it there. Because if we don't keep it there, then what do we do? It says something about we do not lean on our own understanding. If you don't keep it with him, you're going to try to understand it. You're going to try to work it out. And you see what happens when you lean on your own understanding? You get in a jam. That is not any good. Because the lost world listens to who it likes. It listens to its friends. And it acts and reacts based on the, the latest wisdom that it hears that is all godless. And so not so for the child of God. The child of God is the first to go to God and seek the wisdom from his word. We surrender to him and not the flesh. And we, if we listen to the flesh, the flesh will lead us astray and it will get us in trouble every time. But if we go to him, we are never in trouble when we go to him. We received honest, constant wisdom, which means, ladies and gentlemen, we should have a healthy distrust 
of ourselves. Healthy. I'm not saying discard yourself wholly. God's going to work through you. But we should have a healthy distrust of ourselves. And we need to acknowledge that we don't always know what is best for our lives. We know that we cannot be in charge because if we put ourselves in charge, we're going to mess it up. So what do we do? We surrender the sum total of ourselves to his leadership. And this book tells us that wisdom will come our way and that we can operate out of that. And so as a result of living like that, are you going to do it perfectly? Nobody in here ever will. There's not a church in Brenham that everybody's going to do this perfectly. Nobody is. But when we have our heart that we're going to live like that, notice how he puts it in verse 6. We would do this. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he, not me, not Tim, not the elders, not your friends, he will make your path straight. Remember that inventory I keep talking about that, that we, we should do from time to time about the past, the present, and the future? And all of that, everything about your life, acknowledge him. His sovereignty over every aspect and area of your life, even that stuff that you have your hands on, you need to recognize his sovereignty in all of that. Recognize that, that you didn't get it on your own, and don't attempt to remove God from that throne of sovereignty in your life. Don't lean on your own understanding. You know why? Because our understanding is limited because our vision is blurred and our discernment is not according to God. So we aren't all sufficient. We're wholly needing Him. And we acknowledge Him when we listen to His teachings, we follow His teachings, we submit to His commandments, and we come wholly to Him. And when we do all of that, then it tells us that our paths, He will make the path straight. And when we get off the path, and we want to go our own way, not on the path that he gave us, but we want to go on the path that we've set up for our life. You know what that means? It means we get out there in the weeds. We get curious about what's out there in the weeds. You know, that, that stuff that you don't have that you think you need, we don't need to get out there in the weeds. You know why? Because what's out there in the weeds, I'm going to tell you what out, what's out there in the weeds. There's temptations that you're going to succumb to. There's things out there that you don't need in your life. There are people out there that you don't need to be carousing with. There are those things to avoid that, that if we get out there outside the will of God for our life, we're going to succumb to them. And Proverbs is replete with telling us we don't need to go down that road. We don't need to go to that section of that neighborhood with false motives in our mind because you're going to get ensnared and it's going to be devastating on your life. So we acknowledge his loving sovereignty in all areas of our life. We don't listen to the flesh, and we allow him to lead us down the straight path that he straightens out where he wants us to go. Because left to our own understanding, you and I will get in trouble each and every time. But when we listen to his understanding, he takes us where he wants us to go. And then when we have agreed to that, in our heart, then we go to verse 7. And this is so important. Do not be wise in your own eyes. An inflated and incorrect evaluation of ourselves. Scripture's foolish. There are places in Scripture that says that that is foolish. I don't have time to go into them here. Paul even speaks of this. Because our understanding of things 
and our vision of things is blurred by the flesh. It is blurred by the lust of the flesh. You and I should not think too highly of ourselves. We should recognize our utter dependence on His grace and mercy. So yes, you and I take inventory of our lives. But based on everything that I have said and what this book is telling us, we need to realize the inventory needs to be evaluated from God's perspective, not ours, because we have a faulty perspective. And so if I was to ask God, God, I need you to take inventory of Alan McClure. Uh, would you please evaluate my life? You know what he's not going to tell me? He's not going to say, well, Alan, instead of getting up at 6, I really think you need to get up at 5.30. And, uh, you know, really, I think two cups of coffee is okay in the morning, not the 15 that I don't have 15, but not the 15 that you normally have. He's not going to tell me that kind of stuff. But he, you know what he's going to tell me? He's going to say, Alan, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to my word, and I want you to read how I am the one that created everything, that I am the one that brought it all together, that I spoke it into existence, and then the best representatives of the human race blew it in the garden in a perfect environment. They blew it, which then a little bit later, I, I had to work through a man named Abram, who I changed his name to Abraham, and then, then a little bit later, I'm... I'm, I'm working with this man named Moses that's coming out of Egypt, and, and I, I, I meet him on this mountain, and I give the law to him so that they can learn how to live with me. And then I want you to look at how they blew it. I was in their midst, in their presence, and I, they were my people, and they blew it, which necessitated me sending my one and only darling son, which you can read about in the Gospels, and you see how he was born, his sinless life, and he died, and then he was buried, and then he rose. And so we learned learn about that in the Gospels, and then you learn how to apply it in the epistles, and then you learn how it's consummated in the book of Revelation. Alan, that is my evaluation for your life. That is what we need to do and see that. And then our life aligns with God's Word. And he says, Alan, you can do that. He says, that seems like a, a humongous a, a, a thing that you have to do, but you can do that only if you will put me first in your life and place your confidence and your trust upon me and live in the wisdom that I give and not the wisdom of the world. And if you acknowledge my sovereignty in all areas of your life and through our cooperative efforts, his sovereignty does not negate your responsibility or how you will live in that. He says, if you will acknowledge all of it, he goes, I will make the path I have for you straight that will lead to the goal that I have for you. But at all times, you must have a humble assessment of yourself. And so we humble ourselves. We live by that ethic that we see there. And we realize that anything that we have, anything, our health, be gone tomorrow, our family, we could lose them in a tragic accident. The job that we have, the company could be bought out tomorrow. And all these other things that we have, that we say that we have, we have them only because God sovereignly provided for them. We have to recognize that. And since he is sovereign, that guess what? That means he's in charge and we're not. We are not in charge. The world is in charge of itself, and look where it's going. But we realize that we're not in charge and that God is in charge. And guess what? That means he owns everything. Scripture's clear. He created it, 
Colossians 1 says Jesus Christ holds it all together. He owns it and he maintains it, which means he owns it all, which means that you and I are but temporary stewards of the things that he puts in our hands. That is what you and I are. We are but temporary stewards. You and I own absolutely nothing. You and I are flat broke. You know how I know that? Because today, God could call you home. He could call you to glory. And all that stuff that's registered down at the courthouse, a deed that's got your name on a title, or in any of these other things, guess what? None of it's going with you. Somebody else is going to be playing with your stuff. You don't own it. It's not yours, okay? God's going to reallocate it. Somebody else is going to get to play with it, okay? So you're going to go, which means you own nothing. None of that will enter into eternity with you, and none of that can stand with you when you stand before God. We're but temporary stewards of stuff. So I'm a temporary steward of the stuff that he gives me, and I want to live according to the, the ethic of the wisdom that he gives me in the book of Proverbs, but at the same time, I want to honor God in my life. And in all of this that we've mentioned, I want to honor God with my life. I don't want to just live according to that ethic. I want to honor Him. I want to acknowledge Him. I want to honor Him. So if you want to see how we are to honor God, I want you to look at verse 9. Skip down to verse 9. This is how we honor God. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. You honor the Lord from the wealth that he provides you. Remember, you and I are broke. Regardless of what they say at the bank account, we're broke. Because that money's not going with you, okay? Somebody else is going to get it when you die, okay? So remember, it's his, and we're but temporary stewards. And you may think, yeah, Alan, but I toil and I sweat and I labor and I spend a lot of time doing this and doing that. Yeah, you're right but he's the one that gave you the mental faculties to do it, and he's the one that gave you the health to do it, and he's the one that provided you the opportunity to even do it, and he's the one that provides the paycheck, okay? So he owns it all, but he allows you to be a steward of it all. You know how I know he owns it all? Because if we're living according to this ethic, we go back to verse 6, and it says, in all ways, acknowledge God. So everything that I do, I am to acknowledge God in all of my life, and in the context of verse 6 and verse 9, you acknowledge God by how you honor God. You acknowledge Him by how you honor Him. And so how do you honor Him according to this verse? It's either what comes first or the first fruits that come your way that He provides. You honor Him. Now in the Old Testament in that agrarian society, the first fruits were the very first gleanings of Let's just call it corn because we're here in, in Washington County. Corn or hay or cotton or whatever it is that we grow. The very first thing that you pull off of the vine. Okay, you know when farmers will take it to the mill to have it dried to make sure that it's ready to be picked and all that? You, some of you farmers know what I'm talking about. Those are the first fruits. Those are the first gleanings that, that you pull off. And, and, and all throughout Scripture, God says that the first belongs to me, the first one that opens the womb, the first animal, the first this, the first that. The first belongs to me. And so we are to honor him by giving him what comes first. And so since you and I don't farm today, we have occupations and vocations. And so we honor him with that. And so let's go back to the farmer. And so the farmer pulls in the first 
the first fruits, and we have to realize that guess what? All the farmer did was stick a seed in the ground. The, the, God provided the seed. God provided the soil. God provided you the ability to till it. He provided the sun. He provided the rain. And he provided the temperature. And he provided the nutrients in the ground. You're not all that significant, okay? God provided everything. And we go in and we harvest it. And we get it. And we give the first fruits to him. So today, when we labor and we receive a paycheck, okay, that what we are to do is that we are to honor God with what comes first. Not after you buy all your toys and trinkets and hobbies and all that other stuff and say, well, God, I'm just real sorry. I got nothing to honor you with this week because I did this and I did this and I did that. Maybe next week uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple of pennies. No, the first fruits are what we honor him with first. He only asked for a portion. He didn't ask for it all. It, it, that's all that he's asking for. So we honor him, but with a very small portion. And he uses the first fruits of our labor to reach other people. For instance, when, when you give a portion of what he provides you back to the Lord, that is the portion that he works through to reach other people. For instance, we have BTXLA, we have JAM, we have Celebrate Recovery, we have children being taught across the way right over right now. You've got to buy the curriculum. We have adults that are being taught over there. We have students that are being taught. We have, we have all of these things that, that God has called us to do, and then we have local missions, and then we go to Brazil, we go to Tanzania, we go down to Peru, we go all over the world sharing the gospel. That right there only happens from a portion of, of what you give back to God. And aren't you glad that someone was giving a portion back to God so that someone, somehow or another way, went and told you about Jesus Christ? Think about that when, when it's coming to giving something back to God. He comes first because if you don't, you're saying, God, I'm putting all these other things up ahead of you and you're giving back to God is between you and God. It ain't between you and me. It ain't between you and anybody here at the church. It's between you and God because it says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your labors. Now, I want to say something here. You know why I'm qualified to preach this sermon? Because I have messed every bit of this up in my life. At one time or another, I have messed every one of these things up. So I can speak from experience. And in fact, you know, Really, I could stand in front of a mirror and preach this sermon to myself and have so many takeaways and so much applicability in my own life that I need. And I don't think I'm alone. I think there are several folks in here that want to see change in their life, that want to see all that God has for them. They want to be on that straight path. How we get there is by following what is being taught here and week after week. And only together can we do this. You see, over the course of this past year, we have emphasized significantly, once you're saved, you're brought into the, the body of Christ, which is the worldwide believers all over the world, where Christ is the, the head of that body. And part of that body would be the local body here, where Christ is in charge. It's not the pastor and the elders. We, it's not us, it's Christ. He's the one that's in charge. And so we do what we do corporately here because he's brought us together. So the only way that this will work, ladies and gentlemen, is when we do all this together, individually and corporately. And we recognize and we surrender ourselves 
to his righteousness, and we bring all of that up underneath his grace, his mercy, and his love, we acknowledge that we couldn't save ourselves, that that baby that we celebrated on, on Christmas morning, that Jesus Christ that paid the price that we deserve, that he did all of that, and without that, we would be lost in our sins. And if we humble ourselves today, and especially in the new year, that is the only way that we can do it. God wants to take this church someplace in 2020. The, many people have been putting many things together. Tim is going to share some of this on January the 12th. And so I'm going to ask you, let us honor the Lord by being involved in what He is involved in. And I'm looking at a lot of people that He wants to see that are involved. It doesn't matter how long you've been here. This might be your first time here and you're saying, no, this is a church I want to be a part of. Or you might have been here since the doors were open. It doesn't matter. But each and every one of you are valuable. Each and every one of you are important. And each and every one of you have something to contribute that God has uniquely worked something out in each and every one of you as a vital part of where he wants to see this church grow, go in 2020. And you see, if we make it about any one of us individually, that's going to be lacking. But if we make it about us corporately, then there is the expectation of greater things. Remember the first fruits? There, there's an expectation that more is coming. And let me say, that's where I want to be. And then also let me say, I want to be there with you. I want all of you involved in where the Lord is taking us in 2020. I'm going to ask you to pray for our pastor as he is unfolding this and he is sharing this uh, in a couple of weeks, because it involves everybody here. I don't know where you are with the Lord. I don't know if you have a relationship with Him or not. But if you don't, the teachings of Proverbs won't apply to your life. But if you do, and you surrender to the, the wisdom of this book, your life will be on that path that He has set for you, specifically for you, there's going to be trouble on that path, but only through him can you make it through. But if you blaze your own trail, you're going to find trouble out there that you may not be able to handle. So be on the path that he wants you on, and all of us, we will be on the path that he wants for us, and then together, we're going to reach more and more of Brenham for Jesus Christ. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to open in prayer. If you have any prayer needs for, for closing this year out or in the... As some prayed in the first service for uh, asking the Lord to, to be intimately involved in, in their new year, whatever it is, this altar is open. Doesn't matter what it is. Come and pray. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you would you'd want to know how that can happen, I'd love to tell you. I'd love to be the first one to tell you. So if you would, would you stand and join me in prayer? Father, I'm so thankful that... You give us a place to gather, a place to worship, a place to, to read, and a place to, to learn from one another, and a place that we can go out encouraged to share Christ with this world. Father, if there are any burdens in your people's hearts, that now they would come and they would give those to you. If they don't know you, they would come and ask how they can have that relationship. 
so that when they go into this new year, they do so going as a brand new person, a child of God. Whatever it is, Father, stir their hearts. We thank you and we love you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.